Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. Um, I want to revisit our series and get back into our series of trust. This is the, the predominant theme that the Lord has given to us this year. You know, as we were finishing up 2021, the Lord spoke to us and said that 2021... Uh, said, will be the year that we trust the Lord more than ever before. Amen. So let's uh, revisit our, our scripture here. Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six. Let's all read it together out loud. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Today, I wanna look at the life of Joseph uh, Joseph, the, the coat of many colors, Joseph, not Joseph, the carpenter, the, the earthly father of Jesus. But we're going to look at the life of Joseph, Joseph, and we're going to see how Joseph trusted in the Lord and leaned not on his own understanding. And we're going to see how God uh, made his paths straight and directed him in his paths. And, uh, and we're also going to see how God gave Joseph a dream and how because Joseph did trust the Lord, he was able to stay faithful to the dream that God gave him. So uh, let's just back up just a little bit, just for uh, sake of setting this up. Does anybody know Joseph's great-grandfather? Anybody? You got it, everybody's thinking now. Abraham, that's right. Abraham. And if you know anything about Abraham, Abraham was a guy who uh, the Lord saw as a, as a faithful man, and he said, I can bless this earth through this man. But Abraham was not a guy who was perfect. He did not have his act together just perfectly, but God chose him and used him anyway. And there was a lot of drama in Abraham's story. But then finally, uh, after many years of waiting on the promised child that God told Abraham and his wife, Sarah, that they would have just out of an actual impossible situation. There's no way that they could have, uh, you know, gotten pregnant and birthed this child in their very, very old age. They did it. God caused Sarah to be pregnant with a child named Isaac. Isaac came along and he had his own kind of sets of ups and downs, a lot of drama there. And then Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau, and a lot of drama there as well, right? Now we prop up Jacob, who God later named Israel, to be this big hero, but this guy was wily. He was sneaky. He did some things that were kind of unscrupulous, but God used him anyway, praise God. If God's using people like that, he can use people like us. If, he's, if, he, if, if he can sanctify them, he can sanctify us. Praise God. So then, so we've got Abraham, we've got Isaac, we've got Jacob, and now Jacob has several sons. He's got 12 sons. And at the time, Joseph is the youngest of them. This is Genesis chapter 37. We're just gonna give you an overview. We're not gonna read the actual passages, but I would encourage you, you can go and do this yourself. Joseph is the youngest son of Jacob. His, his father favors him more than all of the other sons. And uh, if you read in the scripture, it says, we don't really know exactly why, but it says that Jacob had him in such old age. So I don't know if like Jacob looked at Joseph almost like a grandkid, you know? It's like, I don't know if he was that old. You know how grandparents look at their grandchildren different than they look at their kids? It's like there's this special like little place in their heart that, you know, how many of you know what I'm talking about, right? You know, and like you send your kids off to grandma and grandpa's house and they get away with murder there sometimes. And then they get sent back to you and you have to fix them because grandma and grandpa messed them up. You're like, my gosh, okay, we've got grandparents clapping or maybe that's children clapping because they like going to their grandparents' house. But, but Joseph was a favorite son of, of Jacob 
And uh, Jacob had him in old age. And so Jacob uh, has this coat made for Joseph, a coat of many colors. And this is unique, you guys. This is not like running down to Kohl's and saying, oh, I want the most expensive jacket that you've got here, okay? Even if it were several hundred dollars, this is way above and beyond that. They, they didn't have Kohl's, they didn't have Belk, they didn't have, you know, wherever it is that you shop, I don't know. But th- this was a special deal. And so, Jacob gives this coat to his son Joseph, and now Joseph, I mean, how many of you have ever seen this play out in a family where there's like a favorite, right, you know? Like, you know, you see like a grandparent or a parent or someone in the family, they favor one kid more than another. You see that, and there, there's automatically like this sibling rivalry, or you see, you hear the other siblings talk about, well, Jamie, she's just the favorite. Actually, that's the conversation that Jamie's older brother and sister actually have about her all the time. Jamie, she's the youngest, she's just the favorite of mom and dad. And, uh, and so th- there's already this going on, but then now Joseph has this coat, and so not only is, like, is this just kind of like, you know, we, we think that he's the favorite, He's actually now done something to prove and show he is the favorite. So his brothers despise him of this. They're absolutely jealous. And now Joseph is 17 years old, and he has two dreams. He has two spiritual dreams, and this further ticks off his brothers and his family. The first dream that he has was that there were 12, uh, like, bundles of wheat, and we had Joseph's bundle and all of the other 11 bundles, which were the other brothers, were bowing down to Joseph's bundle. And so Joseph's so brilliant, he decides, I'm gonna go and tell the family this dream because they love me so much already. No, uh, he, he didn't play it smart. He has this dream and he tells it and the brothers are like, oh, you, forget it. There's no way in the world we're ever bowing down to you, man. Forget it, we hate you. And then he has a second dream. In this dream, there's 12 stars, but there's also the sun and the moon. And they're all bowing down to Joseph as well in this dream. And so he goes and tells this dream to his family. And now his dad is upset because the sun and the moon, he's thinking his mom and dad and all the brothers were, and now dad is like, Joseph, you're the man, you're out of line, bro. We're not gonna bow down to you. We're not gonna serve you. You're my favorite kid, but you're crossing a line here a little bit. So... What happens is Joseph's older brothers are going out to tend the flocks and they're far away from home. So Jacob sends Joseph to go check on them. So Joseph goes to where they're supposed to be. They're not there. They're further out. So then he, he finds out where they are. So then he goes to where he, heard, he hears where they are. So they see him coming down the road and they're like, we're far away from home. This is our chance to take Joseph out. We're gonna, they, they start to plot to kill him. And so they say, you know what? We're gonna take his, this favorite coat that he wears all the time that our dad gave to him and we're gonna take it and we're gonna rip it up and we're gonna put animal blood on it and we're gonna say that we, we found Joseph in this, and he got attacked by a wild beast and we'll take it back to our dad and then we'll take Joseph's body and we'll throw it down this well. We'll basically just bury him. Well, the oldest brother, Reuben, has a, a bit of a conscience, and he's like, okay, um, I don't want anybody's blood on my hands. I don't think this is a good plan. So he's thinking all this to himself, and he has a plan to rescue Joseph out of this. So what he decides to do is tell the brothers, hey, guys, I, I got a different plan, that which kind of like gets us into this like plausible deniability kind of thing. Um, let's not kill Joseph ourselves. Let's just throw him down the well and he can just kind of, you know, starve and, and, and thirst to death. And that way we didn't really kill him, you know? And, uh, and then we can, you know, take the coat and do the whole thing, go on with the entire charade with dad. But we don't have Joseph's blood on our hands per se. Well, all the while, Reuben is thinking, I, this is just a, a distraction so I can actually get and come and rescue Joseph. So uh, one of the brothers says, um, yeah, but, but look, look over here. There's a caravan coming. So a caravan's coming down the road, and this other brother says, you know what? Let's, let's do this. Let's sell Joseph into slavery, 
and then go on with the rest of the charade. So that, that way, at least, we got some money out of this thing. Like, we've profited in some way. So from what I can tell of doing the math that, that, from, from, um, that I see here in the scripture and looking to see what theologians say, the, my best guess is they sold Joseph to uh, these caravanners for about 10 grand. In, in, in our modern day uh, economy, it would be about $10,000, I think. So they sell Joseph into slavery. They go about their business. They go and tell their dad. Uh, dad buys the whole story, hook, line, and sinker, that Joseph got attacked by an animal, and so on and so forth. But what happens to Joseph? Now, by, by this time now, we're going into chapter 39. Now, chapter 38, we are going to skip over that because that's a whole other separate story that's happening there uh, with, one of, with, with Joseph's brother and sister, and that's a whole messed up story by itself. So go and read that. It's real soap opera-y, and um, we're not going to go there today. So Genesis 39 the caravan has Joseph, and then they, you know, they're just, they're just uh, slave traders. So they picked up Joseph, and now they're trying to make a profit, and they sell Joseph to Potiphar in Egypt. And Potiphar is one of the captains of the palace guard. So what would that look like in, in modern-day terms? It would be like he's a higher-up person, maybe like in the secret service, okay? So he, he's a captain of the palace guard, He's a person of influence and power, and they sell Joseph into slavery into Potiphar's house. Now, the Lord begins to bless Joseph as he's working as a slave. Now, did Joseph do anything wrong here? No, he hasn't done anything wrong. Maybe it was foolish of him to tell these dreams to his brothers, maybe it was foolish for him to tell his dream to his mom and dad. Maybe there was, there, maybe, I don't know this for certain, the Bible doesn't say this for sure, but maybe there was a hint of arrogance or pride there, but that's all there was. Joseph didn't deserve to be plotted against, to, to be killed. He didn't deserve to be sold into slavery. He didn't deserve to have to work as a slave in the house of Potiphar, but yet here he is continuing to Remember the dream that God has given him when he was 17 years old, and he's serving faithfully wherever he was planted. Wherever he was planted, he decided, I'm just going to be faithful. And this is what he does in Potiphar's house, and the Lord begins to bless him and give him favor. And, and Potiphar takes Joseph and he puts Joseph on this pedestal of power and he gives Joseph in, uh, uh, the, the power and the ability to rule everything that, that Potiphar owned. And, and the Bible says that the only thing that Potiphar ever had to worry about was what he was going to eat for breakfast and lunch and dinner. That's all that Potiphar ever had to worry about. What am I going to have to eat today? Everything else, Joseph took care of it. And Joseph served faithfully. And the Lord kept blessing him. So the Bible says Joseph was a good-looking dude. He was ripped. And depending on what translations that you read, it says something very similar to that. He had a great body. He was a good-looking dude. God, there was a lot of favor on him, a lot of blessing on him. And Potiphar had a wife. And from what I can read in the Scripture... It seems to me that Potiphar's wife, she didn't just have the hots for Joseph, but in my opinion, I believe that Potiphar has, Potiphar's wife had really given herself over to a spirit of lust. So as I'm reading this, I'm picturing this. She's a person who's just given herself to a spirit of lust. She, she, who knows who she's sleeping with? And here's now this good-looking dude who's at the at the top of the, the power pyramid in her house. Joseph's ruling everything. And she's like, now nah, I want this guy. So she tries to get with Joseph. She approaches Joseph. But, but Joseph, Joseph um, uh, is a man of God. He's a man of honor. And he refuses her seduction. And it escalates to the point that she begins begging him every single day, come to bed with me, sleep with me. Let's do this. And it got to the point where Joseph was like, no, we're not doing this. And he avoided her as much as possible. As much as he possibly could, he tried to not be in her presence. Well, then the day came, and we don't know exactly how the circumstances got to this point, but we know that the day came where 
Potiphar's wife was in the house and it was just Joseph. We can speculate that maybe Potiphar's wife arranged all this and sent everyone out of the house and, 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 and made it to where Joseph was the only one. But what we do know is that we don't believe that Joseph arranged this. It doesn't make any sense because he was doing everything he could to uh, avoid her as much as possible. And he, up to this point, he was refusing her every single day. So they're alone in the house. She makes an advance. Come on, Joseph, sleep with me. And she comes over to him and, and she grabs his cloak, his outer cloak, and she's begging him and holding on tight to his outer cloak. Come on, let's go to bed. Let's do the deed. And Joseph is determined to stay faithful to the Lord. He's determined to be a man of God. He's determined to be a man of honor, and he runs out of the house, but in doing so, she's holding on to the cloak. He just gets out of the thing, you know, and he's, and now she's got his cloak, and now she's like hacked off. She's mad that once again, that he has denied her advances. So what does she do? Oh, I'm gonna get him. I'm gonna get him one way or another. I'll just tell, I'll just go to my husband Potiphar and tell Potiphar that Joseph violated me. I've got his cloak here, he left behind. So that's the story. She goes to Potiphar, that's the story that she tells. There's no due process. They immediately just, street justice. Let's take Joseph, and we're gonna immediately, I know that Joseph has been faithful. I know that he's done nothing up to this point to make us believe that he would do anything like this but we're just gonna go ahead and throw him in prison. So Potiphar has him thrown in prison, and there he is. But Joseph continues to stay faithful. He continues to trust the Lord. He continues to hang on to the dreams that God gave him. And what does God do? God blesses him and gives him favor as a prisoner. And God gives him favor with the prison warden. And just like in Potiphar's house, where Potiphar promoted him to the, to the top of the power pyramid and say, all right, Joseph, I want you to run my entire house. The warden did the exact same thing with Joseph. As a prisoner, he was running the show. He was managing it all because he continued to stay faithful. He continued to, to trust the Lord and the Lord continued to bless him. So now we're in Genesis chapter 40. Genesis 40, the king's cupbearer, and, and maybe in our terms, it would be like a butler, okay? The king's butler, his cupbearer, and the king's baker. So the butler and the baker and the candlestick maker, no. And um, the, the, these two guys, they're thrown into prison. We don't know exactly what it is that they did. Maybe they looked at Pharaoh the wrong way. Maybe they just ticked off the wrong person. Maybe there were, there were you know, uh, politics that were playing out there. But they get thrown into prison. And each of them have a dream that they don't understand. And Joseph hears about this. So Joseph interprets each of the dreams that they have. And he tells the baker, hey, dude, in three days, the Pharaoh is going to have you killed. Whoa, that is not... Is that a word from the Lord? I don't want to receive that. Um, but uh, so then he tells the butler, yeah, in three days, he's going to be killed. But in three days, butler, uh, cupbearer guy, Pharaoh is going to restore you. And then what happens? Just as Joseph had told them the dreams, it comes to pass exactly the way that he, he said. Joseph said to the butler, he says, when you get restored and when you get back in front of Pharaoh, Remember me. Remember me. Get me out of here. I've been in, in this prison unjustly. Get me out of here. Well, we don't know exactly what's going on there, but the butler gets restored three days later and says nothing about Joseph. Why is that? Maybe he was afraid. Maybe he was intimidated by Joseph's. Maybe he was intimidated by the favor that Joseph had. But for one reason or another, he doesn't say anything about Joseph to the Pharaoh. 
And then time marches on. Month after month, and now year after year. Two years later. Two years later, Pharaoh has a dream. And it's so rocking and disturbing to him He doesn't know what this dream means, but it sticks with him, and he calls in all the wisest people in his administration, and he says, here's the dream that I had. Somebody tell me, what in the world does this mean? Well, people try to interpret the dream. No, but that's not it. No, that's not it. No, that's not it. Finally, the butler says, Pharaoh, there's this guy in prison. He's managing the prison. He's a prisoner. But when I was in prison two years ago, I had a dream and I didn't know what it meant. And I told him and he interpreted it. And it came to pass exactly the way that he said it would. And also, King, do you remember that, that baker that you executed? He had a dream too. And he didn't know what it meant. And Joseph interpreted his dream and it happened exactly the way that he said. We got to get this guy. So Pharaoh says, yeah, bring him in. So they, they bring Joseph in to see Pharaoh. Pharaoh tells him this dream. And Joseph says, all right, here's the meaning of the dream. We're going to, the, the, Egypt is about to walk into seven years of incredible abundance. Seven years of incredible abundance in every way, shape, or form. But then following those seven years of abundance, we're going to run into seven years of drought and famine, and it's going to be terrible. So what does Pharaoh do? He recognizes the favor of God on this man who has stayed faithful to the dream, who's continued to trust the Lord and lean not on his own understanding through all of these various circumstances, things. Man, what a roller coaster this has been for him. Favorite, favorite son and hated brother. Coat of many colors and conspired to be killed and then sold into slavery. Rises to the, the pinnacle of, of Potiphar's house and rules everything and then accused of rape and then thrown into prison. Rises up and is, is managing, the warden's right-hand man, he's managing all of the prison, interprets dreams, and then forgotten about for two years. But what did he do? He continued to stay faithful no matter what the ups and downs were. If it was a good day, he was faithful. If it was a bad day, he was faithful. And Pharaoh says that Joseph's now 30 years old. And Pharaoh says, I'm gonna put you in charge. I'm gonna put you in charge. You manage and tell us what we need to do during the seven years of abundance and plenty so that we can be prepared for the seven years of famine and drought. And that's what happened. So the famine hits. Finally, everyone in Egypt and everyone in the surrounding countries come to Joseph for help, for provision as he's managing how to ration out all of the supplies that they've saved for seven years, including his brothers and including his father. And the dreams came true. And you know what? Joseph could have stood there in front of his brothers and said, you guys screwed me over. You sold me into slavery. You were gonna kill me. I'm not gonna give you provisions. But the Lord moved on Joseph's heart and Joseph did not hang on to bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness. And he blessed his brothers and he saved their life. And not only did he save his family's life, but he saved the life of countless thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. And God used a man who trusted the Lord and stayed faithful, no matter the ups and downs. From the time Joseph had his first dream to the time it came true, it was from 17 years old to 39 years old, 22 years. 
22 years of ups and downs, 22 years of I know what God showed me, but I don't see any inkling of the promise, but I'm going to remain faithful. And then 22 years later, it came to pass. So what can we learn from the life of Joseph about trusting the Lord more than ever before? We see that that trusting God means that we are staying faithful to the dream that he's given you. It's one and the same. If you're going to trust God, it means that you're going to stay faithful to God's dream. That's one of the ways that you walk out your trust in God. You're staying faithful to what I know that God told me, to I know this is what he showed me. And for some of us, we've got that dream. Some of us, God has spoken things to us. And for some of us, we're still waiting on God's dream. But regardless of whether we have the dream yet or whether he, we're waiting on a dream from the Lord, the key is that we're gonna keep trusting God and we're going to keep being the people of God and staying faithful, Amen no matter what the circumstances are. There is a specific dream that God has for your life, but there's also general things that, that, that apply for every single one of us that are right here in his word. I'm gonna stay faithful. I'm gonna trust the Lord and lean not on my own understanding. And in all my ways, I'm gonna acknowledge him and he's going to direct my path. I'm gonna stay faithful. There's several lessons from the story that the Holy Spirit could teach us. We could do an entire teaching on the power of forgiveness. But that's not what we're going to do today. And there's some other things as well. But today, I just want to look at just some, just some specific keys, five keys to staying faithful to God's given dreams. And you got to remember, this is not my dream. The dream that, that Joseph had wasn't because he just ate some pizza late at night and went to bed and had some wild, weird, bizarre dreams. He wasn't like on medication. And, he, and it wasn't just a, a dream of his own thought. It was a dream from the Lord. So we're staying faithful, not to our dreams, but we're staying faithful to God's dream for our lives. But the first key is this. You can write this down. I encourage you to write this down. If you have pen and paper, if you get out your phone, uh, make a note there, but write these things down. Number one, don't be surprised if other people don't believe in God's dream for your life. Don't be shocked by that. Don't let that, don't let that throw you for a loop. And, and, and I'll even say this. Use some wisdom on who you share the things that God that speaks to you things. Use some wisdom on who you share that with. The scripture instructs us to not throw our pearls before swine. Why? Because pigs don't know what to do with pearls. They tromp all over them. They eat them. They, they don't value them. But the things that God gives you that are valuable, you have to be careful. You don't just share that with everybody. And maybe Joseph could have done a better job with that. I don't know. But when you do share things with people, don't be surprised if people don't get it. Don't let that upset your apple cart. Your family might have, just laugh at you. They might give up on you. Your friends might even attack you. But you can't be moved by anyone else's lack of enthusiasm for God's dream for your life. Why aren't they able to see it? Why aren't they able to believe it? Well, because God gave it to you, not them. So I don't blame them for not being able to see it just yet. Why, why can't they see it? Why can't they believe? Well, they might be jealous. People might be jealous like Joseph's brothers were jealous of him. Maybe they just don't believe in you. Maybe you're the youngest of 12 and they just haven't seen you prove yourself or do anything and they just don't believe in you. Maybe to them, the thing that God's called you to seems too big or too impossible and they can't wrap their minds around it. They don't have the faith for it. Don't be surprised if some people don't believe in the dream. Number two, never give up on God's dream. Never give up on God's dream no matter what happens, regardless of what happens to you. The trajectory of your life is less about what happens to you, and it's more about how you respond to the things that happen to you. When your dream is from God, 
determine with every fiber in your being that I am going to remain faithful. And listen, I will tell you this. Remain faithful to the dream, whether you're eight years old, 18 years old, or 80 years old. Remain faithful. Stay faithful. Maybe you won't see the dream come to pass, but maybe the generation behind you will, or the couple generations behind you will. You know, Daniel prayed for the for the for the um, all the the Israelites that were in exile in Babylon. He prayed for their return to Jerusalem for seventy years, and he never saw it with his own eyes. But he was committed to remain faithful and stay faithful to the dream and pray every single day. Do you think there's a reward for Daniel? Yeah, I do. Stay faithful. In Joseph's dream. He not, in the dream, he saw only the good days. In the two dreams that he had, he didn't see anything in there about, you know, his brother's going to try to murder him or throw him into slavery or false accusations being thrown him or for him to be forgotten about in prison for years. There was nothing about any of that stuff in the dream. In the dream, there were only these good things He didn't see any of the pain in the dreams, but he committed, I'm going to stay faithful. Let me ask you this. How do you think that this story would have played out if Joseph had let bitterness and unforgiveness take residency in his heart? Do you think God would have blessed him? Do you think God would have given him favor in Potiphar's house? Do you think God would have given him, uh, a, you know, put him on the top of the power pyramid in the prison? Do you think God would have promoted him in Pharaoh's palace and, and be ruler of all Egypt? I don't think so. What if Joseph had given in to the seduction of Potiphar's wife? Now listen, I'm not saying that if you've made mistakes, that that's it. God's pulling the rug out from underneath of you. Now, but what I'm saying is if you have made mistakes, repent and come back to God and get back on the path of faithfulness, right? We've all messed up. Put me at the top of that list. Hey, I've made mistakes. I've done things I'm not proud of, but I repent. And I get back on the path of God's faithfulness and say, God, I'm staying faithful to you. I'm gonna get back on the path where your favor rests, where your blessing rests. Stay faithful, don't give up. God will get you through even the most difficult circumstances. Number three, the path to God's dream is often gonna look different than you thought it would and it's often gonna take longer than you expected it would. <laughs> That's an amen from an experienced person right there. When God reveals his plans and purposes for our lives, we tend to fill in the blanks. We say, oh, okay, well, that's great, God. I love this dream. That's awesome. And then in our mind, we begin to preconceive what the dream is, how it's going to come to pass, and how this is going to happen, and what this is going to, and when it's going to happen. But we've got to realize that these things don't often happen overnight, and we need to just be faithful to just take one step at a time. And when we see the next part of, of the, you know, the, 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 the scriptures say that the word of God is a light to my path, it's a lamp to my feet. Well, we're not talking about like, you know, a lamp that's like, you know, or, or a, a light that's like on the you know, those lights that they have at the airport that circle around or the lights that, you know, they, you, you, you see uh, like on a barge going down the river. You guys ever seen a barge coming down the Cumberland River? I used to live right off the Cumberland River and we'd have barges come through and at nighttime, these gigantic spotlights would just be waving back and forth on the river, making sure that the path was clear, making sure there was no obstructions. And that beam of light would go forever and ever and ever. It would just, it was, it was so bright and it would seem like it would go for an eternity. But that's not the kind of light that the scripture tells us that God's word is like. It's, God's word is like a lamp. It's a light to our feet. It's a lamp to our path. Like, oh, 
that gives me enough, just enough light to know to take the next step or two. But then after I've taken that step, I have light to give me the next step or two. And so just be faithful. Just take one step at a time. For Joseph, it took 22 years for his dream to come to pass. In our society, we are so used to having everything right now at the tip of our, just at the, at the click. It's like, oh. This week, on Wednesday, I was going to, to print out some things on my printer, and my printer was without ink. Not, I don't mean like, it, it wasn't like even like printing out, you know, where like the lines are starting to be all like sketchy and like, well, that's good enough, that's great. No, it wouldn't even print anything. It wouldn't even send the paper through because the printer knew, no, bro, you have exhausted every bit of ink in this cartridge. No more ink. I'm not even going to put the paper through. I'd never even done that before. I, didn't, I thought it would at least like send the paper through, but it, no, it wouldn't even do that. So I'm like, oh, well, I got to get some ink. I don't have time to run to the store today. I'm just going to get on Amazon. I'll order it. And it said, the ink will arrive at your house today before 10 p.m. That's amazing. That's great. You know, have you guys seen the, those commercials for Amazon recently about their electric trucks that they're putting out? Like, we're putting out 10,000 electric trucks. And then, you know, I'm, I don't care about your electric trucks. I just want my stuff quickly. <laughs> great. That's what I want. And that's how we're accustomed. That's what we're used to. I want food. I'm going to get some chicken nuggets at McDonald's, and it's going to take a whopping 90 seconds, the whole process, right? Some of you are hungry for McDonald's now. I want to pray for you that you get better lunch than that. But anyway, um, I'm sorry for sowing negative seed into your life. But... We're so used to having everything right away, and we got to realize just because it doesn't happen when we thought it would happen, it doesn't mean that God didn't speak to us. The timing might just be off. I, I, I received a dream, or a, a word, excuse me, I received a word from a friend of, a trusted friend of mine, who I believe hears from God. He gave me this dream in the summer of 2011, and the dream was about Seeds Church, but I didn't know it. And I thought the word had to do with the next season of ministry that I was getting ready to transition into. And it was just interesting. He gives me this word, and I believe it was the word from God. It resonated in my spirit. It wasn't like uh, someone had to, like, you know, trick me or convince me into believing it as the truth. I knew it. My spirit knew it. My spirit bore witness with the Holy Spirit that this was a word from God. But when I transitioned to the next season of ministry, and I didn't see everything play out the way that that dream or that, that way that prophetic word was told to me, I was like, what's up with that, God? This doesn't look like with that, that word that was given to me. But I never cursed the Lord, and I never said, well, forget that. You know what I did? I said, well, God, that's not this, but I know what you said is true. I'm hanging on to that. We're going to just keep being faithful until we get there. Seeds Church was never even an inkling in my mind at the, in 2011. Didn't have a clue that Jamie and I would ever plant this church went into the next season of ministry and thought, oh, maybe this is it. Maybe that word will come to pass then. It didn't happen then either. But I still held on to the word. And then finally, 2016, the Lord begins telling us things and begins accelerating things and more words keep coming to us and more pieces of the puzzle keep coming and we're fitting these together and more breadcrumbs come and we're following the trail and it looks like the dream is coming true, praise God. But it didn't happen overnight. I think God didn't have take 22 years like Joseph's dream, but it did take some years. Number four, be obedient and keep your heart right. Be obedient and keep your heart right. Leave the rest up to God. The scriptures say that those who are willing and obedient will eat the good of the land. Have you ever told your kids to do something and they were obedient but they weren't willing? You know the difference? Maybe you remember as a kid. Maybe you remember now. As maybe your boss tells you to do something 
And you don't want to get fired, so you're obedient, but you're not willing. But there is something special about this coupled thing together, the willingness and obedience. And God says there's a blessing that's attached to that. That's what I want. I want to walk in the blessed place. So God, whatever you tell me to do, I will do it, but I want to do it with a willing heart. I want to keep my heart right, and I want to keep my heart free from the burdens of unforgiveness and bitterness toward people as they, as, as, as I have run-ins with people, as I had, have hurts and wounds from people, right? And what am I gonna do? I'm gonna be willing and obedient. I'm gonna keep my, free, my heart free from those encumberments and I'm gonna leave the rest up to God. You've got to resist bitterness and unforgiveness in overcoming life's challenges. If we hold on to those things, it's gonna be like carrying a constant weight. I did not ask permission of this person to do this but Matt would you join me up here Matt he's like what in the world Matt is a runner now from my understanding you're not necessarily you're not just like a speed runner but you're a long distance runner is that right but I bet you're still faster than me number one you've got longer legs Um, number two you haven't had two knee surgeries like I have and you're not overweight like me either. So, um, so here, here's what I want you to do. I've got uh, about 88 pounds there. I think that's about 44-ish in each one. Once you grab one of those in each hand, uh, we're not testing his, his uh, upper body strength. We're just testing speed here. And do, I want you to do this for me. I want you to go over against the wall over there, and I want you to travel as fast as you can from... Point A to point B over here by the guest services table. All right, ready? You can get a straight shot. I'll get out of your way. Ready, set, go, fast as you can. That was pitiful. Put the weights down. Put the weights down. All right, now I want you to travel as fast as you can from there, from point B, back to point A. Ready, set, go. Okay, much faster, much faster. He had to slow down when he, when he passed leak, otherwise he was gonna break through the wall there. So, all right, give him a big hand clap. Thank you. What's the point? The point is this. When you hang on to bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness, it's going to slow you down in life. It's going to keep you. It's going to take you a lot longer to get to where God wants you to get to. You might get there, but it'll take longer. Free yourself from that weight. Don't hang on to unforgiveness. Travel fast. Amen? Last thing is this right here, number five. We're going to wrap it up. Know this, know that the Lord is gonna bless you, not only just you, but he's gonna bless people around you when you are living for him. When you are staying faithful to God's dream for your life, when you are trusting the Lord with all of your heart and leaning not on your own understanding and in all your ways you're acknowledging him, he will direct your path. There is blessing and it will rub off on people around you. The Lord blessed Joseph in the house of Potiphar. The Lord blessed Joseph in the prison. And what happened there? In prison, Joseph's favor rubbed off on that that butler. Joseph's favor rubbed off on the entire uh, kingdom of Egypt. He was able to interpret dreams that saved thousands and thousands and countless of thousands of lives, including his family. Um, there was this one time, Jamie and I, and uh, I, I don't remember if we were by ourselves or with our kids, but we went into have ice cream at Cold Stone Creamery over at the Avenue, right across the street over here. This is some years ago. This is like in the middle of the winter when no one goes to eat ice cream except weirdos like us. And we're eating ice cream. No one else is in the store. We said, you know what? We want to be the kind of people. We know the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. We know the favor of God follows us. 
we want to be the kind of people that when we walk in somewhere, the favor of God rubs off of us and rubs onto other people. Wouldn't it just be cool if the Lord just blessed Coldstone Creamery right here just because we were here? And we prayed. And by the time we were done with our ice cream, there was a line of people out the door. I'm not telling you, oh my gosh, JD is so anointed. Let's take an offering for him right now. <laughs> it's not about me. It's about the favor of God. The favor of God wants to rest on you and not just bless you, but he, it wants to bless others through you. It wants that God's goodness wants to show himself to the people around you, your family and your friends and your coworkers and wherever you do business and wherever you go, God wants to show his faithfulness to the people of the earth and he wants to do it through you. Does it mean that it will be easy every time? No. Does it mean that there will be a line out the door every single time? It might not. But I'm gonna believe and I'm gonna have faith because I see it in the Bible. And it might not be that way every day, but it might be some days. And I, God, I say, God, I want your blessing, but I don't want it to just to flow to me. I want it to flow through me. I want other people to experience your goodness the way that I've experienced it. And look what happened to Joseph's family. He remained faithful. His immediate family, countless others were blessed through him. It saved their lives. They were doomed and starving to death, but they were saved through the life of Joseph. Some of you, like I said before, God has already made a deposit in your heart of what he wants to do with your life. He's already given you a dream, but remember this, just because it's not coming true now doesn't mean that it never will. Stay faithful, keep trusting the Lord. Regardless of what happens to us, we're gonna remain faithful to the Lord. We're gonna remain faithful to the vision and the dream that's in front of us, amen. Let's pray. Would you stand up with me? Lord, we just come to you now, God, and we make the declaration to you. We just want to tell you just straight up right here, God, that we want to be people that are faithful to the dream that you've given to us. God, we want to be people that you feel like you can entrust a dream to us. So we ask you, God, deposit things on the inside of us that you want to come to pass here on earth. We wanna, we wanna pray on it. We wanna put our hand to that plow. That's what we wanna spend our lives doing. God, we don't wanna spend our lives in, in, in establishing our own kingdom. We wanna spend our lives in establishing your kingdom. God, I don't care about fulfilling my dreams. I want to fulfill your dreams. That's what I wanna do with my life, God. I pray that would be the prayer of every single one of us here today. God, I pray for the people here in this room that they know the dream that you've given them. They know the blessing that they're supposed to be. God, I pray that it will come to pass. Those of them that have already seen some of those things come to pass, I pray that you continue to give them, uh, uh, to, to give them increase, God, as they're faithful to you. God, I pray that you give them resolve to continue trusting you in the face of unbearable circumstances. God, I pray that you would help us all have our hearts remain free from the weight of unforgiveness and bitterness so that we can run fast like Matt. <laughs> and God, I pray right now for people in this room who don't really feel like they've had a dream for you. They don't really feel like they've had a vision for their life yet from you. God, I pray that you will show it to them. God, I thank you that your word says that when we seek you, that we will find you. When we knock on the door, that you will answer. When we ask, that you will answer. God, I thank you that you're a good father, that you don't give us stones when we ask for bread. When we ask for fish, you don't give us a snake. You're so good, God. And so as we seek your face, we thank you that those who seek you, who are diligently seeking you, that you will reward us. God, we don't, we're not putting a label out there and say, God, well, this is what the reward is, is what I'm looking for. God, you choose what the reward is. And we just say, Jesus, if all we ever get is just you, you are enough reward. We don't need anything else. You are enough, Jesus. That's the position of our hearts. But God, we do, we want to dream because we want to fulfill your dream 
for our life, for this church, for our families, for our city, God. We love you, Lord. Lord, I just pray for anybody here today who's not following you. God, but they want to. They feel the tug from your Holy Spirit on their heart. Say, you know what? I haven't been following Jesus, but I need to. I want to. God, if those people are here today, I pray for them, God. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you respond. You're the one that's causing them to feel that way, but you respond to their desire as they respond to you. And God, you meet them. If that's you today, I just want to invite you to just pray with me right now. I'm just going to pray this prayer, and you can just repeat after me. And you put the meaning behind these words. God, I come to you right now, and I give you my life. I turn from from the way I've been doing things. I turn from sin. I turn from my own plan. I turn from my own kingdom. I turn from my just my own uh, just sinful desire, and I turn toward you. I turn away from that stuff, and I turn toward you. I give you my life. I ask you for your forgiveness, and I thank you that I receive it through Jesus Christ, your son. Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God, that you were raised from the dead, and I say, you are my Lord. You are my boss. You be in charge of my life. It's my pleasure to love and honor and serve you for the rest of my life. Come and make a difference with me. Make me new. Make me whole. Give me a dream. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.